Ecclesia is a new church trying to live out the way of Jesus in Princeton, New Jersey. We pray this teaching invites you to love Jesus and people more deeply and to embrace the full life that Jesus offers each one of us. Grace and peace to you. Friends, this morning we're going to be digging into a passage and I want to read uh, Psalm 27 over you this morning. And so I pray that as we gather here this morning, wherever you're coming from, I pray that it's a, it's a meaningful experience. I pray that it's, it's something, as you're gathered in your homes, uh, I pray that God is, is meeting you where you are through His Word. Uh, we're going to start with Psalm 27, and then we're going to uh, dig into a passage this morning that simply uh, tells a story about Jesus doing the impossible. So let's read from Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord. That will I seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For He will hide me in His shelter. In the day of trouble, He will conceal me under the cover of His tent. He will set me high on a rock. Now my head is lifted up above my enemies, all around me, and I will offer in His tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God of my salvation. If my father and my mother forsake me, The Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they are breathing out violence. I believe. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Take courage. Wait for the Lord. Friends, our teaching text for this morning comes from John chapter 11. And in John chapter 11, we see early on in the chapter that Jesus gets word that his friend Lazarus is sick. And it's an amazing thing that all over the world, because of this this church calendar, uh, we're observing Lent, and many churches all over the world uh, read from common scriptures every Sunday morning. It's called the lectionary, and it sort of prescribes, these are the readings for today. And the reading prescribed for today, the gospel reading, is from John chapter 11. And it's an amazing thing, I think, as we're going to see, that this story meets us right where we are. And so the first question I just want to ask you is, where are you looking for hope right now? Where do you just feel the angst and the anguish of this moment? And and again, for you, there may have been so much going on in your life already. There may have been so much happening before the the world kind of spun into chaos. 
And so this morning, I just want to, you to bring that to the forefront of your mind. Where are you looking for hope? You see, Jesus' friends were looking for hope for their, their friend, and, and some, for some of them, their brother, Lazarus. Jesus' friend Lazarus was sick, and he was a couple days' journey away. And Jesus gets word. And so Jesus eventually makes his way to Bethany, where Lazarus lives. And, and, and when he arrives at Bethany, he doesn't come to a sickbed. He doesn't come to a situation where he's uh, surrounding his friend who is needing a cure. He comes to a funeral. A funeral that's already been going on for days. And so this morning... I'm going to invite you to turn over to John chapter 11. And while you do that, I'm going to pray for us. Pray that across this distance, pray that even though we're not meeting together physically, that God's word would powerfully uh, minister to us. That even in the midst of the distractions of of having kids run around, that, that God would just be so present and would be revealing his heart for us. So this morning, let us pray together. Dear Jesus, Lord, as we encounter your word this morning, May we see the beauty of who you are. God, may we see the fullness of your heart for us. May we see that you are a God who is not restrained by our imaginations, not restrained by what we think is possible, God. But you truly are a God who can do all things. Lord, we take our, our strength in you. We love you, Lord. Meet us here this morning. It's in your name we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. So we pick up the story in John chapter 11, verse 17. It says, When Jesus had arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. So here's what's going on here. Jesus comes to a funeral that's been long going on. And when he arrives at the funeral... There are several people from the village, several people from the family that are, are mourning with these sisters. They're comforting them. Uh, mourning was a much more visceral practice in this culture. It was, it was much more of a ritualistic practice, too. Uh, people would gather together and they would just sit together. This is where the practice of sitting Shabbat uh, sort of originates from. This culture, Jesus was a Jewish man and he comes out of this culture. And so these people are just surrounding uh, Martha and Mary with their presence. They're just trying to be there for him and express their own grief that their brother Lazarus is dead. So when, when the sisters hear that Jesus is coming, it tells us that there's two responses here. And what I want for us today is for us to just adopt the posture of each of the three characters that were given in the book, or in the story here. So our first character that we're going to see is Martha. And then we're going to see Mary's response. And then ultimately we're going to see what Lazarus' response is. So first we hear that Jesus has come to the village. And the sisters hear that he is coming. And look what happens. Verse 20 of John chapter 11. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and she met him while Mary stayed at home. Notice what Martha says to Jesus here. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here... My brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And so what we see in this moment 
is that Martha still has hope in Jesus. You, you notice from the two sisters, Martha hears that Jesus is coming and she goes out to him. She's still confident in some way, even though we'll see it's a limited way, that Jesus is, is her hope and her uh, refuge in this moment. And she, she, she goes out to him and she expresses the sentiment, Lord, if you just would have been here. And there's a tinge of disappointment in this. Lord, we, we sent messengers for you a couple of days ago. What took you so long? And I wonder how many of us are sort of feeling that, that kind of angst. And we're going to see this even more in just a moment. But Lord, what are, you, what are you doing? Like even as we sort of hold on to faith and hope, like Martha does, like, Lord, even now I know that whatever you ask, God will give you. But Martha's, Martha's sort of limited by what she thinks Jesus can do. For her, she thought while Lazarus was alive, that if Jesus would have showed up on the scene, that she, he could have healed her brother. But she sort of draws a line at the grave. She thinks this is a boundary too far. There's nothing that can be done now. And so what we're going to see in just a moment is that Jesus is going to gently but firmly press in on this. And I think the first thing that we see in this moment, this moment of, of dealing with the reality of coronavirus, dealing with the reality of what it's doing in our culture and in our own hearts, is that Jesus is speaking to our imaginations. He's speaking to our notions of what is possible. What is possible if we follow an all-loving, an all-beautiful God who gives of himself endlessly? Let's see in the story. So Martha says to him in verse 24, Martha said, I know, I know that there's a hope that comes in the end. I know that eventually it's all going to work out. Notice what Jesus says to her in verse 25. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And that, challenge, that question is levied to us today. Do we believe it? Jesus responds with Martha's sort of well-intentioned but limited imagination. With his very presence, he gives the same name that God gave to Moses when Moses saw a burning bush some several thousand years before this. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. That it's all going to work out because I am here. Not because just there's this formula that, that transpires over time, or that, yes, there's a resurrection and a hope in the future, but Jesus says, I am that future, and I am bringing that future into the present now. And so, friends, this morning, I don't know where you're looking for hope. I don't know where you're feeling that ache, but I, I hope that you would see that Jesus wants to expand and speak to our imaginations and say, all the stuff that you're thinking is going to make everything better, I am that reality coming right now. And let me show you, let me reframe it a little bit. It may not work out exactly as you envision it. And certainly that's been true for so many of us these past couple weeks. But friends, where you're saying like, oh, if only God would have done this, Jesus is coming and saying, I am here. The great I am, the one who spoke the world into existence, that very word is now meeting you here in this place. And so what is possible if we follow this kind of God? 
So maybe we're like Martha this morning. Maybe we just can't see a future. We can't see something like, yeah, uh, Jesus heals, he does miraculous things, but you know, we just have to wait this thing out. What would it look like for Jesus to begin to expand our imaginations, our imaginations of what church is? I mean, uh, mine, mine certainly have been challenged over the last two weeks, and I miss you guys. I miss Sunday mornings. I miss giving hugs. If I'd have known, if I'd have known that we, we would have been not gathering for the last couple of weeks, I think I would have appreciated it more. And so, friends, this morning, I don't know where God is, is challenging you and wanting to, 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 to maybe expand your imagination and speak to it, but hear his voice today. I am. So the second character we see, we see that Martha runs out to Jesus, but Mary stays behind. And I think that for so many of us, we can relate to Mary's uh, posture and experience right now. You see, Mary, unlike Martha, is not even able to get up and go out to Jesus. And look at what it says here. Let's continue on in the text. Jesus asked Martha, do you believe this? And she says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. And then it says in John chapter 11, verse 28, when she had said this, she went back and she called her sister and told her privately, the teacher is here and he is calling for you. And friends, I want you to see that even Martha is able to get up and she walks to Jesus and she's able to express even in her grief her hope that something new could be born of this moment. Mary is not even able to do that. Mary is lost in the throes of despair. She, her chest is so heavy that she can't even get up and go to Jesus. She is so overcome with anguish. And again, there's this sense of disappointment in Jesus. They knew they'd sent for him a couple days ago. Where was he? And Mary's pain is so visceral in this moment that she can't even get up and go to Jesus. But there's a beautiful thing that happens here. Martha goes and she says, the teacher is calling for you. And friends, this morning, I don't know where you're experiencing this level of, of despair. But can I just tell you that the teacher is calling for you. I am the one who is the resurrection and the life is calling you by name. He's calling out to you and saying, I'm here. And we're going to see the, just the absolute depth of the power of what it means for Jesus to be here in just a moment. So Mary goes out to Jesus after Jesus explicitly calls for her. says, Mary, would you come here? And she gets up quickly and she goes out. And then a lot of people follow Mary because they think she's going to go mourn somewhere else. They think she's going to go to the tomb and to mourn. Then it says in verse 32, When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, notice the same statement that Martha made earlier, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same sense, but again, Mary is so overcome with grief. But now look what happens, verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then it says that Jesus began to weep. And friends, this morning, if I could proclaim one hope to you this morning, one reality, is that wherever you are breaking, 
wherever you are weeping. Notice Jesus' posture. Jesus is not a robot. We, we suffer from familiarity with this story. We know, like for those of us who have read this story before, that it's all going to work out. And if you haven't read this story before, you're in a good place because you, you may be in a position to hear it anew and fresh. But I want to challenge all of us to just hear this story afresh. Look at how Jesus responds to Mary's grief. He doesn't stand far away from it. He doesn't distance himself from it. He doesn't pat her on the head and say, hey, it's all going to be okay. It's all going to work out in the end. He enters into the grieving of the situation. He enters into the mourning of the moment. He looks at those weeping around him, and he weeps. And he not only weeps on behalf of others, Lazarus is Jesus' friend. Jesus loves Lazarus. And Jesus mourns the loss of his friend. And friends, for many of us today, we have so many things to grieve. We have lost dreams and visions about what the future held to grieve. We have lost incomes to grieve. We have a lost sense of community to grieve. We have a a despair at coming loss of life to grieve. And friends, if that's where you are, I just want you to see that the one who is the resurrection and the life is drawing near to you and entering into your pain. Nicholas Wolterstorff um, wrote a book upon the the passing of his son. And he wrote a book just, just talking about What does it mean to serve and love God? He's a theologian. He spent his life thinking about God. And he's just like, what do I do with this? And he says, you know, I I used to hear that no one could behold the face of God and live. I used to hear that no one could behold the face of God and live. That no one could behold His splendor. But what he says is that in Jesus, he sees that perhaps sorrow is His splendor. That perhaps instead of explaining our suffering, or instead of of, of simply wishing it away, that He comes and He shares it. And friends, this morning, I want you to see how Jesus is speaking to your grieving. How He's entering into the situation. Wherever you feel lost, if you're a student and you just lost those last couple months with your friends at school... If you're, if you're feeling, if you were preparing for a production or you were uh, planning to go on vacation, like those, those may seem like small griefs, but Jesus is not stingy with his grace. He has more than enough grace to care about every single element of our lives. Je- Peter tells us to cast all of our anxieties upon them because he cares for us. And friends, this morning, I just want you to see that at the, at the tomb of his friend, Jesus doesn't fast forward to the end. He says, I'm here. I am the resurrection and the life. And then he weeps. So friends, this morning, would you just see how Jesus is speaking to your grieving? I I pray that across these digital frequencies that he is coming near to you and, and just comforting you. Because I know there is so much to grieve right now. And lastly, we're going to see that Jesus enters into the situation. It is out of that profound depth that Jesus speaks new life. You see, here's the paradox of the cross. The cross is not this formulaic system that suddenly means we're forgiven. The, God, the cross is God himself taking the entire weight of sin and brokenness upon himself. And what we see in this moment is that as Jesus enters into our pain... 
He is able to not be overcome by it. He, he enters into it. He draws near. He, he embraces us in the midst of our grieving. But out of His great love for us, we see that love is stronger than death. Look at what happens. When Jesus saw her weeping, it says that Jesus began to weep. And so the Jews that were standing there said, Oh, how He loved Him. But some of them said, Could not He who have opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And then it says in verse 38, Then Jesus again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, we're going to see again where her limits on her imagination come into play, said, listen, Lord, he's been dead for four days. It is not going to be a pretty situation. It's going to smell. In the King James Version, it says, he stinketh. But look at what Jesus says. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And friends, here's what I want you to see this morning. The glory of God is not God manifesting His power and His splendor in the heavens. It's not Him making sure that everybody knows that He's the ruler of all the earth. The glory of God is right here. The glory of God is expressed as Jesus Himself draws near in our pain, draws near in our anguish, takes it into Himself, weeps Himself, and then overcomes it. Look at what He does. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I know you always hear me. I've said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. And his hands and his feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. And friends, this is the word that Jesus says to us. The most powerful word that Jesus speaks to us is our names. Lazarus, come out. Ian, come out. Hear that there is a newness beyond this despair. There is a way out of this tomb and this grave. And friends, I don't know what you're dealing with this morning. I can't see your faces. It's breaking me. But here's what I know. No matter what, no matter if you think that you have sinned so far that God cannot possibly love you, no matter if you think that, that all of this situation that's happening in our world is so much that God cannot reach in and call out your name and pull you out of this, no matter what your circumstances, no matter what your situation, Jesus is calling your name this morning. And he's saying to you, come out. That even if, even if this, this virus is to uh, it, break us and, and, and cost lives, that there is a resurrection hope that is beyond the grave, that Jesus is forevermore the King of all the world. And that because of His cross, because there's a moment later on in this story where He takes upon all of this anguish, all of this weight, He undoes it by letting Himself be crucified on a cross, by giving of His life, offering Himself to the world, because He so loves the world, just as He so loved Lazarus. Because of this moment, He is resurrected and risen and reigning forevermore. He has shown us forever that no matter what happens... Jesus is able to overcome. We can take heart. We will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. So Jesus is speaking to our imaginations. He's saying, listen, what you think may be possible, it may be even more and even greater. Did I not tell you that you would see the glory of God? 
He is speaking to us in our grieving. And he's saying to you, friend, wherever your heart is broken, that is where Jesus lives. And he's saying, there is no broken heart. There is no broken world that Jesus does not love enough to mend and redeem and resurrect and bring out newness and life. This is the gospel. That we have hope because Jesus is the resurrection and the life and he is here. Friends, would you just acknowledge that God is coming into your midst this morning? He is drawing near to you. Would you see that he loves you so dearly and that he is calling your name? Let us pray. Jesus, your glory, your glory is not simply fireworks or uh, shows in the sky or dramatic uh, emotions on our part. Father, your glory is your presence. God, the presence of a God who can draw near even in the depths of the grave. The presence of a God who can call out our names and we respond and we wake up to your life. And so Jesus, this morning, would you awaken our imaginations? Would you speak to them? Would you call out our name and say, there is more. God, would you awaken our hearts to how you're present in our grieving. As we feel the anguish of loss, Lord as we feel the anguish of our, our rhythms being completely uh, changed, Lord, as we feel the anguish on behalf of those already suffering in the medical community, God, would you just come near to us? Would you show us beyond any shadow of a doubt, beyond any planning that we could do, that you are here? And Jesus, would you show us that no matter what, Lord, even if you don't do all the things that we want you to do, there is a resurrection hope because of who you are, because of your cross, God, because of the blood that you have shed for us. There is a bright resurrection hope that awaits us, God, both in the now, because you are here, the resurrection and the life, and forevermore, because you are our life forevermore, our King everlasting Jesus. Lord, help us to have courage in these days. Help us to take heart to know that we will see your goodness in the land of the living. Jesus, we ask all these things in your name. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, please visit www.ecclesianj.com.